Throw the horn, let's go. And everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's the so place we play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let the play against them. And make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, can you believe we're going into our 10th season of doing this thing? No, man, I cannot believe that people have actually listened to us for a decade, much less that we're doing this for 10 years, man. No, But in all seriousness, we enjoy this. Obviously, we we have a passion for talking about this, and we're just glad that the listeners and you know enjoy uh, taking time out of their schedule to you know to listen to us on a on a uh, regular basis. Yeah, absolutely. This has been, I think, uh, it's either the shortest long off season or the longest short off season. I'm not sure which. I still feel a gut punch from uh, the visit out west. Uh, you know, back in January. But super excited to get this keys, uh, this season kicked off again, our number 10 season, which is truly amazing. Uh, we think we have, uh, sort of an outstanding opportunity to, to connect better, uh, with some of our loyal fans, give you an opportunity to help support the show and get to do some cool stuff with us, including the opportunity to potentially be on the podcast, which is super fun. We're going to talk about that, um, after we cover some preseason camp. Uh, topics. Tom, I'm going to hand it off to you. Uh, let's cover a couple of three things that we're excited for watching in camp. Why don't you lead us off? Well, man, you know, Saban is, you know, such an outspoken person, right? And and he doesn't like positive talk about anything. And so did I hear him right in his last press conference that he was actually saying some good things about the uh, potential for this year's offensive line? Did I hear that correct, or was I missing it? No, you're spot on. Uh, you know, he he went as far as to say that he really liked the tackles, and he thought this offensive line had a chance to be really good. Uh, I, I read an article from Bama Hammer uh, Ronald Evans this morning, and he and he talked about a uh, Saban's been talking about a dangerous team, and he said, you know, our opponents need to be afraid of a calm and relaxed. Coach Saban, and so when Saban says these types of things, we better take uh, we better take heed. How many times have we said, "Hey, Saban will tell you what you need to know," and if he's saying the line looks really good or the potential is really good, that he likes our tackles, uh, boy, we better write that down and we better pay attention. This line probably has a chance to be great, um, if not if not only just really good. I am I am really bullish on some of these guys. Well. You know the the challenge is 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 obviously he's blessed with with signing you know with having eighty five guys on the roster that could play anywhere else in the country, and he's got the ability to recruit guys who are very versatile and can play more than one position, right? And so obviously the the biggest example of that is Alex Leatherwood, for this guy to come in you know in the Georgia game like he did due to the injury you know at the left tackle position. And just come in in the second half and just not skip a beat, right? Other programs can't do that, right? That that's just not a you know that 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 would have been a disaster for for other football teams. So obviously this kid has got talent because he was asked to man the right guard position last year, and obviously he's comfortable at left tackle. You and I both know that Deontay Brown was a huge loss at the end of the season. Take nothing away from Lester Cotton, but obviously Deontay Brown had made a huge impact. And then we've got the whole Pierschbacher situation, who had, you know, had the versatility to to slide down to center. So I guess for me, my biggest concern is really the middle of that offensive line and what that's and what that's gonna look like. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's uh, you know, that's kind of what Saban's telling us too, right? We like Leatherwood, we like Jedrick Wills uh, at the tackle positions, and then it's and you know and and it's almost you could pick names out of a hat. Uh, we've seen Chris Owens, uh, Emil Echior, and Landon Dickerson all get run at the center position, and then we've seen Emil Echior, Landon Dickens, Dickerson, uh, you know Evan Neal, Deontay Brown, Mac Womack uh, all get run at the guards, and I feel like there's you know you can almost pick names out of a hat. There's so much talent. At those positions, not all of them have significant experience 
Uh, and in, in the person of Dickerson, he has experience at FSU, not at Alabama. But I think there's a lot of talent. And I like the way, not even just the ones, but I like how the twos uh, stack up. And I think you could put together uh, a line uh, of the number twos. You know, how many times have we had, even under the Saban era, where we've said, we just need to find that sixth lineman. So we have, you know, someone that can, that can backfill positions. And then we really felt blessed when we had a seventh lineman. And so that we had like an interior and exterior backup. Well, now we are pretty deep. I think I, I'm comfortable nine deep uh, across our, uh, our offensive front. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. I'm kind of bullish on, uh, now when Deontay comes back, he's taken over. Uh, at a guard position, but I kind of like um, I kind of like either uh, Emil Ikior and Orlando Dickerson at center, and the other at guard, and then I like some combination of Evan Evan Neal, who might be a freshman that we can't keep off the field. He's a future at left tackle, but he may be like like Alex, where he's our best five. We got to put him in there, even if it's a little out of position. And if it's not him, I think it's Matt Womack who probably is more of a natural right tackle, but he is a big, beefy guy at a guard position. And, Tommy, we've got two six, seven guys competing at guard. Could you imagine Evan McNeil and Matt Womack filling the guards? Uh, I mean, that's four tackles across the front. No, that's true. And and we talked about, you know, before the show, you know, a couple of years ago when Leon Brown was asked to step in at right guard because we couldn't keep him off the field and he – he won the he won the battle for the fifth best guy. And so obviously Matt Womack as a redshirt senior brings a lot of experience to the table. Um he might not have been able to beat Leatherwood out last year for right guard, uh, but maybe, you know, maybe he's the guy that wins it this year. Um talk a little bit of, for the listeners about your take on Landon Dickerson because, you know, unlike coaches in the past at Alabama, you know, Saban does a really good job when he brings in a transfer. They make an impact typically. And yeah. so uh, give, give give the listeners your thought on, on Dickerson. Yeah, I think they really do. I think uh, I, I think if you could take a blank sheet of paper and, and you had some drawing ability and you wanted to draw what uh, an offensive lineman should look like, uh, a collegiate offensive lineman, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to draw something that looks better than, than Landon Dickerson. Uh, I, I mean, you know, he's tall, he's stout. I mean, he's got – we're talking offensive lineman here. He's got a big ass and thick, uh, you know, he's thick through the trunk. You know, he has played all, all, I, I call it all three. It's really all five. You know, he's played guard, tackle, and center, uh, at Florida State. He has the opportunity to compete at all three of those. Again, it's really five, but all, all of the positions across the front at Alabama. I don't think he's breaking line with, with Leatherwood and Willis, but I think, you know, the three positions in the middle, he could man any of them. And he's, he is a, what's, what's the expression the kids use, right? He's, he's a first player off the bus kind of guy. Uh, you want the other team to see this guy and say, we're going up against a team of those fellas, this Landon Dickerson. The only, and I hesitate to say this, the only sort of question mark I would put next to him is his time at Florida State. Uh, he has missed time with injury and he's at, had a couple season ending injuries. And so I hate to, I hate to, brand a guy as is fragile or you know an injury history but you can't ignore the truth uh in in his history as well and so i wonder and this is where i get to you know overthink things sometime i wonder are we better off starting the season with him not knowing if we'll finish the season with him or do we keep him in a backup role so that if someone goes down we know that we have him later in the season. And you get to a point where you kind of start outthinking yourself. But I wonder, to what degree do you let his known injury history play a role in in how you start him You know, relative to the starting five? I don't know the answer to that question, but uh, you wind me up on Landon Dickerson, and, and I'm really excited about what this kid brings to the team. Well, you know, Saban being Saban, I, I, don't, I don't think he lets his – prior injury status affect him being one of the top five. If he's one of the top five, then you're going to play. And we also know what the process does as it relates to, you know, your nutrition and, you know, watching what you eat and your lifting and your conditioning and, and, and 
these players are are put in a bubble and these players are you know turned into fine-tuned machines that for the most part you know have better injury histories than other teams okay and other players and so when you watch Alabama play somebody it's the other team that typically has players going down not Alabama and so he's going to benefit from the time since he's been here you know he's probably going to have a better injury history going forward from being here than he has previously. And due to his flexibility, you and I both know that the offensive line position, specifically center at Alabama, is a big deal. Obviously, it's a big deal to a lot of places, but but the reason people like Pierce Bocker move down is because it's so hard to find that right person. If you've got a guy who has shown that he can play at a high-level team like Florida State and play three different positions, I, I bet you you see him at center. No, and, I, and that's and you know that's a key point. That's that is we've had a run of of really good centers, and you go back to you know William uh, William Vallejos and and even Antoine Caldwell, and and I get to a point where I have to. By the way, Antoine Caldwell Caldwell moved down too. Just like Pierce Bocker yes. to help Alabama. Yes, absolutely. And so, but I but I go that far back, and that's a decade or better. And at that point, I have to look up names. But um, every one of them has been given a shot in the NFL. Now, not not everyone has has made it, but they've all you know they've all gotten a shot. And then you know certainly there's a handful of them that uh, that are still competing uh, in the in, in the NFL. And so I think that's uh, you know that's certainly good. I think you're right. I think if if he's in the if he's one of the top five, I think Saban plays him. I don't think he overthinks it maybe in the way that that, that I might would try to. Uh, but, you know, and frankly, he's played tackle too. And so, you know, what if you have a situation with, with Womack and Evan Neal, uh, Evan Neal, Landon Dickerson, Leatherwood, and Jedrick? I mean, frankly, you've got five tackles across the front. That's that's an athletic bunch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, tell me, tell the listeners something that uh, is jumping out to you to to keep an eye on as we as we you know head into the season here. Yeah, I think there's there's probably a handful of things that that uh, you know that I would want to look at. One of the big topics, and 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 we'll kind of bounce back and forth sides of the ball. But uh, one of the big topics that uh, you know is the replacement of of Joshua McMillan, and this is one of those things where um, I, obviously I hate that he get that he got hurt and uh, and all of sort of the the excitement around how we back him up. And so I, my hot take on that topic is has kind of cooled a little bit. But, you know, a week and a half ago, I started to think, you know, Josh McMillan probably starts the season, but he doesn't finish the season. And the reason is, and, and it's almost like the, the Corey Reamer example, we need someone in that, that can go in that knows the system, that can set the floor. Now, we've got a ton of talent behind him, and I think – you know, week three, week four, week five, he would have lost his starting position. And I love the kid. If you listen to the podcast, you know that I'm a big, you know, a big fan of Joshua McMillan. I just think from an athleticism standpoint, he, he's lacking relative to some of the other guys. And 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 I really like Jalen Moody, who's he's running with the threes now. Uh, but freshman Shane Lee, uh, Markel Benton is running with uh, running with the ones. And I might even would say the same thing about Markel Benton. That I was that I was going to say about McMillan, you know, Benton probably has the second most experience on the roster, and so I think you're going to have players like Jalen Moody, Ali Cahoe, Shane Lee, and and freshman Christian Harris all sort of nipping at his heels. So I just redirect my hot take. Um, Joshua McMillan, I, I said I would have said was going to start the season but not finish it. I might still say the same thing about Markel Benton because I am just super bullish. It's 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 inexperienced. It's youth. It's not lack of depth. It's inexperience at the middle linebacker position, which I get it's critical, but it is a it is a difference with a distinction. Um, and so that's why I'm kind of still bullish in the middle. I would really wish we still had Joshua McMillan to help bring these guys along. But in terms of athleticism on the field, it, and it's hard to say this without sounding like a jerk to, to McMillan, but I think we turn up the notch athletically. But we turn the notch down on understanding of the system day one. I, I see where you're going with that. Um, I'm just really concerned from a depth standpoint that just because the experience, I guess, for me, I guess because the experience is not there, that's where my concern yeah. is. 
because Dylan Moses is being asked to carry a big load here. And um, and I understand he's up for the challenge. Uh, I think he was your best player in the middle last year toward the end of the season. I'm glad he wasn't a junior last year because he'd be gone right now and he would have been drafted in the first round. Um, but I just think the cast of characters around him, they got a lot of growing up to do really quickly. Well, I think they will. And I think this season – you know, even more so than than other seasons. This season sets up well for it. You know, Tommy, we start the season with Duke this year, not not even Louisville, right? It's not a Florida State. It's not a Michigan or a Wisconsin or a USC. You know, we start the season with Duke, and so I think that buys us some time. You know, the first month of the season, you know, we play Ole Miss in Game Four, right? And you can argue about how good they're going to be. But, you know, we're, what do we got? New Mexico State and Southern Miss and, and Duke in, in some order to, to start the season. So I think that we're going to get some of these guys some game speed and, and some experience. When was it? it and just a few years ago when we had uh, a middle linebacker go down and it was Dylan, uh, Dylan Moses' freshman season. And we were so excited that we got to play Sisters of Mercy the week before Auburn so that he could get some run starting at the position and we knew that you know we had to temper that excitement a little bit but the fact that he went out and had such a good game gave us some hope if you will going into the Auburn game and he ended up acquitting himself well well here the urgency isn't quite the same and we have more players that'll have an opportunity to compete and we have more games for them to get themselves ready so I'd still really wish we had Josh I'm not saying that I just feel comfortable that we will find the right competitor in the first sort of quarter of the season, and and then I think we'll be ready to go from there. I'm bullish on that. No, that's fair. And and Ole Miss, fortunately, is you know game five at the end of September, and so you know we we have Duke, New Mexico State, South Carolina, and then Southern there Miss. You go. Okay, South and Carolina. so 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 the schedule does help us from that standpoint, right? Um, you know, for that to materialize. I think also this linebacker depth is going to have to depend on the health of Anthony Jennings and Terrell Lewis. Obviously, Anthony Jennings and Raquan Davis choosing to come back was huge yep. for this football program, uh, especially Anthony Jennings. And, and if Terrell Lewis is able to have his first injury-free season in three years – if you've got him and Dylan and Anthony Jennings as three of your four linebackers, that fourth linebacker has got some cushion. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I no, I agree. I think that there are some games, and I, you know, we play in the SEC, so I'm not going to say this about every game. But there are some games. If if you tell me we're going to have a, a healthy, ready to go. Anthony Jennings, Dylan Moses, and Terrell Lewis, then you can put me at a linebacker position, and we're probably going to be okay. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, you know, something else that jumps out to me uh, going into this season, not only do we have all these guys leave early because the embarrassments of riches of all the talent, right? But then he's got to deal with all these coaching changes every year. And, you know, it, there wasn't a big deal made about it in the Clemson game, but, you know, Clemson had the same offensive and defensive coordinators together for the past four seasons. I think one side of the ball was three of four and the other was four of four. Yep. And for Saban to do what he has done with all of the freaking carousel of coaches is amazing. No other, in my opinion, no other coach could, could handle this at the college level like he does. And so the, the fact that he lost a quarterback coach to become an offensive coordinator and he lost a wide receiver coach to become an off offensive coordinator. And oh, by the way, these were big programs. They went to Miami and Michigan, yep. right? And so when you can come to Alabama and you can be a, you know, just an offensive coach and then transition from there to offensive coordinator at a big program, that tells you something. And so for me, the biggest thing that I'm concerned about is, is bringing Sarkeesian back. Yeah. And, and it's just because of the unknown. Obviously, you know, his pedigree at USC is all known. Uh, was he thrown into a difficult situation when Lane Kiffin was let go? Absolutely. Uh, can you blame him for that loss? No. 
Um, obviously, things haven't gone great at the Falcons for the past couple of years. And so right now, you know, we're at a critical juncture with Tua and three talented junior wide receivers, right? This is the this is the year you gotta make hay with those weapons on the offensive side of the ball because you don't know how many of those four guys are gonna be here next year, if any. Yeah. And so how that offensive coordinator meshes with that system to me is 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 a huge a huge thing that that I, I you know I want to see how this kind of pans out. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that that and I and I hate to sort of point at you know turmoil on the offensive staff or even defensive staff that contributing to the loss because uh, that starts to sound you know more cop out ish. But I think what's playing out or what has been playing out in the media between Mike Loxley and Josh Gaddis, I think that tells a little bit of the story. Uh, they've been trying to, you know, sort of do a measuring contest with one another about, you know, who who had the better, um, you know, who was responsible for Alabama's success, you know, last year. Uh, I think, and I'd have to go back and listen, but I think at the beginning of last season we did a show talking about the the new coaching staff, and you know we were optimistic on Mike Loxley, but we felt that he was truly retained uh, from a recruiting standpoint. And then I thought we felt pretty much the same for Tosh uh, Lopoy. Uh, we're excited about the opportunity, but that may have been too big of a step. Um, at the time, you know, the stories were he had never called a defense and he had never coached the secondary. And that was at a time when we were placing our top six, our nickel package, our top six uh, secondary guys. And so it's easy last year to have been optimistic about it. It's easy this year to look at it sort of, you know, hindsight 2020 and and say, you know, no surprise that we had some issues there replacing six guys. And then with injuries, we get into, you know, seven and eight guys having to play. Um, you know, look, I wish Dan Enos had stayed as the offensive coordinator. Uh, the fact that he left, I, you know, I was a little bit concerned by that. Sark coming back uh, sort of checks all the boxes, um, I think. But but on both sides of the ledger, right? It's easy to say, well, this guy, you know, he cost us this championship game, and he and he didn't win a Super Bowl with the Falcons, and he's not this, and he's not that, and he's not a lot of things. But <laughs> let's be realistic; he is a lot of things too. I mean, he's a multiple time uh, head coach. Uh, he hasn't forgotten how to coach football. He hasn't forgotten how to do this, and I think he's going to be in a comfortable position where he's going to have uh, all the bells and whistles at his disposal. And I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have fun, sort of pulling the levers and, and turning the knobs. You know, running this offensive machine. Uh, I think. I think Sark is an upgrade over Loxley, and I'm not mad at either of them. I just think that's an upgrade there. And um, and 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 you know, I wish Gaddis all the luck in the world. But if they're having that sort of issue uh, amongst themselves uh, with Loxley, and he was a wide receiver coach, I don't want a lot of noise out of my wide receiver coach. And so I think bringing in. You know, uh, Holman, uh, Holman Wiggins um, under the Justin Fuente tree used to run in a, a fast tempo offense. I think he's going to be uh, a step up there. I mean, there's a number of other changes, but I'm really excited about Pete Golding running the defense. Uh, I think that he was sort of the assistant defensive coordinator last year, and and that and that may understate the role that he really did play. Um, and then, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, I think he was more of a you know probably co right. Would you right, say right? I would, I would, yeah. And so I think, sort of, fully in that position, where you know you are the guy, you're not propping up the guy, and you want to be, and you have to do that sort of delicately because you don't want to undermine. But at the same time, you know we got to get stuff done. So, so I feel really good about uh, about Pete Coling in that position, and then not to go through the all the staff, but uh, but I really like Sal Centuri being back coaching the linebackers, and I really like Charles Kelly. Uh, one of uh, the defensive back coaches, you know, he's a former uh, defensive coordinator at Florida State. So I feel like we've got a lot more experience in the secondary and on defense, just in general, than we had uh, than we had last year. So I I, uh, I was optimistic. I was bullish on the staff last year. I've got a little bit of homer. I'm always going to kind of like our coaches. Uh, but if I if I compare sort of head to head this group versus last year, I I think I think I like this group better. Well, I think that you know take take Sal Sinceri, right. I think he's an example 
of of Saban saying, I've got to make sure I have enough coaches here that follow my process. Yes. And so take nothing away from the coaches last year to your point. But but I will tell you that, you know, Josh Gaddis was a one and done. Yep. Right. And so this infighting with him and Mike, you know, I don't think you would have ever heard a Sal Sinceri do any of that. No. Okay. Take nothing away from Mike, but I do think that to me the biggest loss on this coaching staff was Dan Enos. Yes. And and I think that that would have been the first choice over Sark, right? Take nothing away from Sark, but I think he had the first dibs on it. And, um, you know, behind the scenes, you know, Josh and Mike are talking about things, but at the end of the day, maybe one of the guys, I'm, in my opinion, that had the biggest impact on the offensive success was Dan Enos. Yeah. Oh, and I, what he did, and what he did working with Tua, and what he did working with Jalen. I yes. mean, look at Jalen Hurts for Pete's sakes. Yes, I mean, come on. So, 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 I find it interesting that two guys that might be talking, you know, we, we'll never know who called every play and sure. you know what was done bet- between the scenes. But I just find it funny that the the two guys, in my opinion, that might have had the biggest impact on last year's team. Was was Dan Enos on the offensive side of the ball and Pete on the defensive side of the ball, and they were kind of under the radar. Yep. So, well, tell me, tell me something else that you're looking at as you know another topic as as we're going into the season here. So, so my my you know my big prediction is that that Brian Robinson will be the face of Alabama hate this season, and. And, what do you so mean by me, that? Let me sort of unpack that, right? Brian Robinson's not going to do anything, you know, that he's not going to – he's undeserving of of sort of the hate that that people that hate Alabama, it'll 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 be because of Brian Robinson this season. And I say that this reason. Um, everyone knows, you know, everyone that's sort of within, you know, concentric circles, maybe not the inner circle, not our listeners, but, you know, if you're a ring or two away from the program and you kind of directionally understand some of the names, you know Najee Harris and you know he was the number one running back and you know that he, um, you know, was the five-star. And, and and it's like they've lost a lot of guys, but now they've got this one five-star, but there's only one of them. You know, Trey Sanders went down. Uh, he was the guy, uh, five-star freshman out of the IMG Academy, who colorfully said that he was going to come in as a freshman and win the Heisman at Alabama. He's gone down for injury. He's likely going to miss uh, the entire season. And so, and it, you know, he was a five-star. What? And so people who sort of are proximity to the program, they know those two stories. The story they don't know, the story they forget, is the five-star in the middle. They forget the Brian Robinson. Now, if you've listened to the podcast, you know we love this guy. But that, that circle out, they don't. They don't know him. And when he comes in and he's every bit as good as Najee Harris, and he's literally the guy as a junior that feels like I've never heard of him, but he's kicking everyone's ass. This is why I hate Alabama, because it doesn't matter how many players they lose, how many players graduate, how many players leave early. They've always got this guy that's sitting on a shelf that you've never heard of that comes in and kicks everyone's ass. And so that is going to be Brian Robinson this season. And so the fact that everyone's going to hate Alabama because of Brian Robinson is exactly the reason that we love Alabama and that we're going to love Brian Robinson. Well, so we're going to enjoy listening to the commentators, right? Try to quickly scramble to to get some some data on him, right? Yes. And so this is the guy, though, that, that you know that because we have been talking about him for a couple years now, all our listeners know who this guy is. But there will be a lot of people at the Alabama football game at the start of the season who will be like looking at their program and flipping and like, okay, who is this guy now? Yep. What, what's who's twenty four? Yep. And it is kind of funny because it's close to twenty two, right? And so, um, you know, once again, Josh Jacobs was a great talent, okay, a phenomenal talent, and I wish he wouldn't have left. Um, and obviously, you know, Najee is going. Najee and Brian are both going to have to remain healthy. Sure. Um, but having those two guys as your two-headed – because you know, right, Saban likes his two-headed monster, right? And so I think those two guys are more than capable of being that two-headed monster that Damian and Josh Jacobs was last year. 
And it is going to be fun for people to kind of have to, you know, when they realize this guy's a junior, there's a lot of our own Bama faithful, you know, who don't listen to the show who's going to be like, who the heck is that? Yep, absolutely. I think Jerome Ford has a chance to to really get some reps. Uh, I think uh, Keelan Robinson does as well. I think if if someone was if if there was a player to be an X factor and sort of you know even more um, even more from nowhere if you will than Brian Robinson it's Tredarius Townsend who's sort of waffled back and forth between running back and wide receiver I seriously think this guy has the talent that he could start for almost any other team in the country uh, at either of those two positions I think if he is given a chance. Uh, he can be a Kenyon Drake type X factor out of the backfield. Uh, I would love to see that evolve and develop and present itself this season. I just think his talent, you reach a point where either there's something wrong with the guy and he doesn't get it. Otherwise, his talent suggests that he should be getting some opportunity. And what we've seen from him and, and limited sort of snapshots in A days over the last couple of years, I'm convinced that this guy, if given given a role, learn these 10 plays and, you know, and, and sort of defined it from there and rolled him out in a Kenyon Drake type position. I think Chidarius uh, Townsend would be another guy that people would say, where does Alabama come up with him? Where do they get him? No, that is true. Um, you know, a couple other things real quick, because uh, I know we're just trying to talk about a couple things for the preseason. There are two other players to to watch for me. Yep. Um, first is going to be Trevon Diggs. Uh, the reason I the reason I point out you know Diggs is because this guy was really coming on quickly last year before his injury, and no no offense to the guys that had to step up behind him, but I think had Diggs not gone down last year, this this season would have finished differently. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, as far as in games like Oklahoma's comeback, much less in in the Clemson game that we don't want to talk about very much. But let's just say I think those big plays that Clemson got could have been a whole different bag if Diggs would have been in the game. Yeah, I completely agree. And 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 you know, we got some negative press. We got some we got some negative comments because they thought we were being a little too homer uh after that game and and look, you know, Clemson took us to the woodshed. But I do think there were a couple of things that could have, you know, potentially swung the game a little differently. You know, Savon Smith is was no match uh, you know, for what Trayvon Diggs could do uh with Isaiah Bugs dinged up and 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 Emfrey and, and Terrell sort of dinged as well. We didn't get the pass rush. And so all of those things are truths. Uh, but I think when you look at our secondary this year, uh, and, and the players that are just coming on, it is really exciting to think that we were replacing our dime package last year. And this year we're replacing Deontay Thompson and Savion Smith and everyone else is back. It is amazing, uh, to think what, what, uh, you know, how this secondary could, could evolve. And there's a, there's a couple players. Look, here, here's the barometer of this secondary and the, and the potential of this secondary. Right now, if you list out the top six, it might not include, if you list out the top five, it might not include Shai Carter, which is insane because he literally could play any of the five or six in a dime, uh, package, any of the, any of the positions. And so Josh, that means Josh Job has, has really stepped up this offseason so well that he and Trayvon are likely to man the corners. Patrick Sertain has moved, uh, progressed and moves that, so that he's going to fill the star position. You know, obviously Xavier McKinney is going to play the strong safety, but Jared Maiden, and there's been some pictures of him from camp. He looks so much, so much more filled out and so much more stout. And he was the dime back last year. And there's talk about him getting some run at the free safety. And so it's almost like we have we have more people than we have chairs. And when the music stops, can you believe there's a chance that Shy Carter might be the one without a starting position? Well, that would well that would speak to Josh Job, right? And um, you know that would be a nice problem to have. But I think if I had to have Shy as a dime back, I'd be okay with that too because of what he was able to, you know, do last year. And so if Josh Job is going to push Shy to be a better player and and Josh ultimately beats him out and Shy has to come in as your dime back, then 
then obviously that that's a good problem for Alabama to have. It's a phenomenal problem to have, right? I mean, it really is. And so, and this speaks to the core of it's competition. You earn your position. And I'm not mad at Shark Carter by any stretch of the imagination. But if these other guys have more upside, and I don't want to say they've worked harder, but maybe they just have more just raw athletic, you know, capability, uh, and that puts them on the field ahead of a Shy Carter, then as fans, we should just like we should roll around in that and so like love and embrace that because that speaks to the talent the capability uh the depth uh and then I just, there's a handful of guys that I just love that that fill out you know the second team and and, and a good portion of them are, are freshmen but you know I've always been bullish on Daniel Wright I like Eddie Smith uh Jalen Armour uh Amore Davis is coming back from injury and some of these freshmen we're going to start to see some of them in in the two deep uh DeMarco Hellams Brandon Turnbridge uh, Marcus Battle, or I'm sorry, it's Jordan Battle and uh, Marcus Banks, and then Scooby Carter, uh, Jeffrey Carter, uh, cornerback out of out of Texas, was one of the top recruits in the country. Uh, I just, you know, we need some of those guys to develop and get some experience, and I think we're going to see a lot of them rotate, and uh, it's going to be exciting to see how the secondary evolves. I think they're going to be good from day one. Uh, you know, we've talked about last year. Hey, give them a little bit of time. By the end of the season, they're going to be really, really good. And they were safe for injuries. This this year, the secondary I think is going to start good. It's going to get deeper. It's going to get better by virtue of depth, and I'm super excited about that. No, that is awesome. the The other player that I want to mention real quick, uh, just to or I guess position instead of player, is just the tight end position. Yes, and and I say that real quick because. You know, we go back to, you know, our 10 years of doing this, right? Remember all the time we talked about Michael Williams? Yep. And we talked about his ability to be able to, you know, be an H-back, be a traditional blocking tight end, be a pass-catching tight end. And, you know, we Alabama hasn't been able to find that guy that can really do all those roles well. And so, you know, last year it was a package of Hale and, and Irv Smith – and let's face it, those two combined was a Michael Williams of days past, right? As far as like one person being able to do all the things they can do. And 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 Hell's Hell's stick was really the blocking, and Irv Smith obviously developed his passing ability over his time in Alabama. But Miller and Major, you know, Miller Forrestall and Major Tennyson, you know, it's it's their opportunity again. It's it's next man up kind of deal. But that tight end position in the Alabama offense is a huge thing. And and I that that's just a question mark for yeah. me and, and kind of seeing how this pans out. No, and I you know, and I I'll say that you and I have different opinions on Irv Smith and I and I think that's fine. I think Irv Smith is one of the finest linebackers or one of the finest tight ends that we've ever seen uh at Alabama. Obviously he's not an you know an Aussie Newsome or or he's not that, but you know, I might put him in my top three, and and I would certainly put him number one uh, tight end over the last maybe twenty years. And that's a- no, no, I'm not, a, I'm not against him. I'm just saying that, like, even at the end of the day, his his blocking developed and continued to get better. And yeah. last year, his blocking was better, right? Obviously, his pass catching was off the charts. Sure, I just don't see Miller and Major stepping in at the end of line of scrimmage. And doing the blocking job that he did last oh, no. year. No, 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 no. I uh, know Irv Smith is one of the most complete linebackers. Or damn, why do I keep doing that? He one of the most complete tight ends that uh, that we've had. You know, I mean, give OJ Howard the nod for you know pass catching, and give you know Michael Williams the nod for blocking, uh, and then both could do the other. But Irv Williams is Irv Smith is like if you could blend those two together then you end up with Irv Smith. And I think we're going to miss him in that regard. Uh, Kedrick James was a, a player that was going to have to set out the first four games, and and there was an opportunity that, that he could step in and be a really athletic uh, contributor, but he's decided to leave the program. Uh, and then I, I feel like we're going to, you know, we're going to miss a Hale Hinchus, which, you know, is, is just has a solid, solid contributor. He's been a line of players, and there's a little bit of a step down Call it a step down, you know, with Miller Forstall and Major Tennyson. One of them is going to have to step up into a Hell Hinchus role. And, and, and we need more than that from the position. 
Um, I, 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 I sort of got aggravated this morning. I read an article uh, on Tider Insider, uh, Rodney Orr, and he stole, if you could hear my notes, I wrote this down a week ago, that uh, walk-on uh, Giles Amos is going to be this year's Kelly Johnson. And I've been sitting on that until we did the, the podcast. And, and of, course, you know, of course, Rodney has to print it out, publish it this morning. But uh, I think I think he's a guy to watch out for that, again, kind of coming from nowhere. No one's heard of this guy, but I think he's a walk-on that has a chance to get certainly, uh, certainly I think, in the 2D at the uh, at the linebacker position. So, damn, why do I keep doing that? Tight end. At the tight end position, watch out for uh, Giles Amos. Well, you know, take nothing away from Miller or Major, right? But they are – and the good news is they're both six foot five. Yep. So they're both six five like hell, but they're you know Miller's two forty, Majors two forty five. They you know they don't have as much in their britches as Hale did, right? right? When it when it comes to being that blocking tight end, and what's interesting about Sarkeesian is in all his years of at the college level, he's always had a couple thousand yard rushers on his football team. Yep, Sarkeesian likes to run the ball first to set up the pass. And so something's got to give is all I'm saying because we, we got to have that that six guy, you know, from a blocking standpoint. So Yep. Yep. I agree. Anything anything else that that you want to mention here on our preseason show uh, as far as things to look for before we jump to the other things that we want to talk about? I probably got a couple things that I can sort of wrap at pace. Go right ahead. Uh DJ Dale as a nose tackle, I think is going to is going to be a, a day one Contributor, I know he's dinged up in camp, but I, I love an off. I love a defensive front that you know kind of goes too deep. LeBron Ray, DJ Dale, Raquan Davis, uh, uh, Justin Aboyby, Fidel, uh, Fidarius Mathis, and Tavetta uh, Masika, and then just a handful of youngsters you know behind it. I like the depth that we're going to develop on the defensive front. It might be midseason before it's in true form, but I'm super excited about that. I don't think there's really much to say about quarterback except for the backup position. You know, if if you had to write down a number two, it's going to be Mac Jones. But if you are tracking play, watch for Talia and Mac Jones to both play a similar number of reps. And it's we are not playing for a backup this season. We're playing for the starting uh, camp, uh, the starter camp battle for next season. And so Talia will not leave this season without significant experience uh, so that he has a chance uh, an even playing field chance, if you will, uh, to beat out Mac Jones because I think his upside is is better. And so he he will not start next year's camp sort of in the hole. And then, Tommy, I don't know what to say about wide receiver. I mean, this may be the best group uh, if you look at – I can say what to say about him. Okay. All the okay. players, all the fans better watch him because we might never have a trio – not and I, and I say from the all being juniors, right? Yep. Take nothing away from from our, our 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 stud sophomore, but we might never ever, you know, we might never see a trio of guys in the same class again as long as we do this show. No, I I completely agree. I think we have an opportunity to do if we if we remember and this was a this was a no fun Clemson game either, but the two. 2016 championship game, you know, January of 2017, uh, Clemson had a lot of depth at, at receiver and we were relatively thin at defensive back. And so one of their strategies was to just run the hockey line. Everyone's going to, everyone's going to run deep routes. Everyone's running nines and we're going to wear out the secondary and we're going to rotate players every couple of plays. And we're just, <laughs> we're just going to wear you out. Well, look at this. Look at this in terms of you know, take these eight guys and put them in any sort of order, and and you run you know three at a time or even four at a time. Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle, Xavier Williams, Tyrell Shavers, John Mechie, and Slade Bolden. And and Tommy, you could just pick names out of a hat and put four of them out there and run nines all day, and you know run nines all through the the first quarter, and then and just completely just exhaust the secondary. And and then start battering, ramming, uh, you know, the offensive front on the other team. I know we're not going to do it quite as as straightforward or you know vanilla as that, but the point is there's so damn many of them that that will be an advantage. Just the brute force of wearing out the secondary uh, if we ever find a game where we need to do that. 
Oh no, I agree with that. Um, I you know obviously the depth is there, but but these first three guys, you know, just enjoy them while you can, Bama fans. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. Yep. Um, and I and I guess the only other very quick thing is take nothing against Mathis and and his ability to step up. Uh, but Quentin Williams was a special player. Oh, and sure. uh and and he proceeded, you know, or excuse me, he he followed another special player. So from Bama's fans, the good news is when Quinn and Williams had to step up, we were like, how are we going to replace our no guard nose guard? Insert Quinn and Williams. Yep. So so Mathis is now time for Mathis to follow in those footsteps. Mathis and and I'm bullish on DJ Dale. Some of the stuff coming out of camp on him. Uh, there's NFL guys saying that guy's special. So uh, hopefully he comes back from from his little ding, and uh, and but I think he'll get some run. Uh, he's going to wear number ninety four like uh, Deron Payne, and so hopefully hopefully we sit in the stands and have uh, Deron Payne flashbacks. Absolutely. Well, man, what else did you uh, you were you were telling something to the listeners at the beginning of the podcast that you wanted to go over? Yeah, I just want to whisper this: the cooking, the kicking game looks good. But I, I'm not going to upset that apple cart. All right, sounds good. So, uh, what what else did you have you wanted to cover? We are, uh, yeah, th- I'm kind of excited about this. We're rolling out this season. Uh, we sort of teased it before. We talked about it. We've never sort of, you know, gotten off our collective rear ends to to put this together. Uh, but it's 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 an opportunity to sort of engage a little bit more with the fans. Uh, if you're a longtime listener, you kind of know where we come from. We're just two guys that do this as a hobby. Um, it is a hobby with a cost. And so we've thought, you know, we've never really gone out and tried to get advertisers and, and sort of insert that into and sort of dilute uh, the product or dilute the podcast. And so what we're looking at doing is uh, more of a listener support model. Uh, there's a website uh, called Patreon that does this. And so we've done a little bit of research there. We're not hosting this on the Patreon platform, but we're doing something very similar. And uh, it's, you know, sort of sort of an overview. And then I'll step through the levels. We have different, uh, we've sort of defined different levels of contribution. Uh, if you give a one-time contribution for the season, you qualify for, you know, certain incentives. And it's they're, they're low dollar amounts. Most of them uh, are low, low dollar amounts. And you get some additional perks and bonuses for doing that. The core podcast is not changing. We're not putting it behind uh, a paywall. But this is an opportunity for fans who really enjoy the show for literally, you know, nickels and, and quarters per show, you know, can show a little bit of support and help us offset uh, offset the cost. As Tommy and I indicated, this is our 10th season. And um, I hate to do the math, but, you know, it costs us about $1,000 a season to, to host this. And that starts to get to a number that, you know, I was kind of scratching my head if we really spent that money, that much money on this thing. But, but it sounds like maybe we have. Uh, and so what we want to do this season is roll out a listener support model. Uh, it's 100% optional, and uh, but there's some cool sort of benefits that that we will add to or give uh, to those who contribute. So I can step through the um, uh, step through sort of the the platforms or step through the levels. Uh, but Tommy, do you have any sort of questions or uh, if you're a listener hearing this, what what a question might be that you have? You know, I think you covered the fact that that our podcast is not changing, right? Our format is not changing, and what we're doing. Uh, we obviously love doing this and want to keep doing this. We obviously have our day jobs to support this hobby, um, but this is a chance, I think, as you step through these levels for the for the listeners to get to do some to get some additional content over and above the regular things that we deliver. Yep. Yep. Well, let me step through these, and um, and it will, it will kind of go from there. All of this information, I'll repeat this more than once in case you don't have a pen or or just sort of reinforce it in, in your mentals. Uh, all of this information is available on our website. Yes, we actually do have a website. Uh, it's called, uh, very creatively, it's called alabamafootballpodcast.com. So if you're listening to the Alabama Football Podcast, attach a .com. And that's our website. And all of this, uh, the list of 2019 listener support campaign is available on alabamafootballpodcast.com. And so we've got four levels, uh, and I'll kind of step through these. Yes, we have given them cheesy names, um, and you're welcome. The first is called the varsity status. And so you can be a varsity member of the podcast team. 
for $10 a season. What does that mean, a season? This, this counts from August 2019 up until uh, when we do August 2020 preseason. So this will cover all of the games that we do this season, anything we do for bowl games, for postseason, anything that we do for recruiting, anything that we do for A-Day, anything that we do in the offseason leading up to. So it's almost literally a calendar, uh, a calendar year for $10 for the season for that calendar year, which at 15 shows, uh, and sometimes there's 15 games, uh, so at 15 uh, shows, that's 67 cents an episode. You know, that's couch cushion money. So for $10 for the season, you get obviously a, a truly a sincere appreciation uh, from us. We want to give all of these listeners a shout out on the show uh, for this level of contribution. There will be bonus recordings. Again, we're not hiding our podcast, but these will be bonus things. And Tommy, you and I talked about this. Sometimes we just want to hop on the mic and talk about something that happened, not like we're DJs, but hop on the mic and talk about something that happened in practice. And sometimes just the 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 infrastructure of getting it recorded and getting with the producer and getting it out there, sort of the moments lost. But we can just hop on the mic and do something raw, put it out there. Uh, and we hope to do that multiple times during the season. Uh, sometimes we can take raw, unedited shows and make that available uh, to this group. Uh, we're going to do a ticket raffle for a game later in the season, so you can come sit with us uh, in a game. And uh, depending upon how many tickets we'll have, uh, that's how many uh, raffles, that's how many uh, winners we would have. And so out of this $10 uh, uh, contribution group, uh, you would be part of the raffle. And then we want to do at least once, hopefully maybe a couple times, uh, do sort of a pre- or post-game meetup. And so depending upon... Uh, sort of family commitments and season commitments and time of game, we might get together and say, hey, let's hit a bar before the game and, and sort of hang out and and, uh, and talk football. Or maybe, depending on, again, time of the game, hey, let's meet up somewhere after after a game, have a few drinks, and uh, meet meet some of the uh, podcast listeners. And so for 10 bucks, the varsity status, you get all of those good stuff. Uh, there's a second tier called the starter status. This is $25, and so it's about a buck and a half, a buck 67 per show. Again, at 15 shows, we've talked about that. You get all of the prior stuff. You get five additional raffle entries. Uh, so really, you're stacking the deck in your favor to win. That's a total of uh, six raffle entries. And then you'll get a personal listing. Uh, this will be a shout-out that you want to give, or if you have a company that you want to have an ad for, or if you just want a link for those who that are into sort of SEO, uh, for the $25, you get all the other stuff plus a personal link from, uh, from our website. Uh, tier three is an all America status. I am really excited about this level. And I'm going to tell you, we have a limited space. Uh, and I think we started with, uh, with 10. Uh, we've already filled a couple of those for the all American status. It's $50. And so I know that's a little bit more. That's about three dollars. It's about three dollars and thirty-three cents, you know, per show. Uh, so that would be the commitment level. You get all of the prior stuff. You get five more entries in the lottery, uh, in the raffle. So you get eleven total um, entries. You get auto inclusion in next year's baseline level. So uh, this has already been a success. We're already going to repeat this for twenty twenty. And so for for the the fifty dollar contribution. You get already the entry level for next year, and so when if that's another 15 shows, and that gets fifty dollars down to a buck sixty-seven a show, and you sort of get you know air quotes membership privileges for two years. And here's the kicker, and this is why we're limiting this group, this uh, this group, because there's hopefully so many of you that will have an interest in this. You'll have an opportunity to do a guest appearance on the podcast, and so it'll be Tommy and I and a third person. Uh, and depending upon how many we have, it may be a three, uh, sort of a three-man booth for a show. Uh, we may have some special shows depending on how many people where we just have a round table with maybe uh, two or three. It'd be a small group, uh, but we do this maybe between uh, uh, the end of the season and the bowl, uh, the bowl games. And so a lot of it goes down to personal schedules. We absolutely want to work with whoever contributes uh, to make this uh, a, a unique sort of opportunity experience, if you will. Uh, and we, we're super excited, uh, about that opportunity, uh, to get some of you guys on the show with us talking football. I think there's been two or three people that have already done this 
and they've already commented that I can't wait. I can't wait to get on the show and talk to you guys. Um, that is flattering. It's humbling and it's exciting that, that we have people out there that are as excited about Alabama football as we are. Uh, there's also a fourth level and I, I, I am excited. Uh, and maybe a little disappointed also to share that this level has been filled. This is we're calling the James Fail status. Uh, we're all familiar with the story of James Fail. Uh, he contributed to the university. Now the visitor locker room is called the Fail Room, which is probably the most genius thing I've ever heard. Um, this is this is you know uh, for an especially price insensitive individual. And um, I will we'll gracious we'll say that while Bill Esquire. Uh, has been our uh, our contributor here, and uh, we are suddenly super big fans of of Wild Bill. Um, and and basically, this is to underwrite the full season. And so we're super excited that this season has already been fully underwritten, which is really really great. And then as we continue to uh, amass contributions, uh, that'll do a couple things that'll allow us to grow and expand the show. Maybe do some additional episodes, and then you know maybe frankly sort of backfill. Uh, some of our prior expenses. And so we're super excited uh, that we've had an individual that has, has kind of asked to, to remain a little bit anonymous. Uh, we're having, you know, good conversations with them because we want to be respectful of the benefits that we've committed to this level. And then also respectful for um, uh, maybe some anonymity there. So with love, we will, uh, we'll attribute this now the, uh, the wild bill uh, Esquire uh, James fail status. So Tommy, that's a lot of stuff. I know I threw it out there. If you need to go back and listen to it again, do that. Go to alabamafootballpodcast.com for all of the details, you know, sort of written out. Tommy, any any sort of questions? I, I, I sort of feel like that was a water hose for a minute. It was a water hose, man, but it was a good water hose, man. It was freaking Alabama football water hose. <laughs> and so, um, you know, those are those are some great levels and opportunities to, to try some stuff. And the biggest thing for us is we want to create an avenue where in addition to our regular content, we can jump on and do, you know, a, a timely topic and just a few snippets of recording and, and share it with our listeners who are kind of, you know, who are, who are able to, to do, you know, one, you know, one of these levels kind of deal. And so I, the biggest thing is we're not changing our show. We're going to keep doing this because we love what we do. Uh, we were just trying to come up with additional ways that our listeners could be more part of what we're doing. Yep. And 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 you know, I'm gonna sound like NPR for for a minute. Uh, they always do their listener campaigns for the the varsity status, the ten dollar you know per season. Tommy and I talk, we spent a good amount of time talking about this. What should we set this out? Because those are some really cool benefits, and it's just ten bucks. And the thought, and you know, we landed on the idea that we don't want to put it up to 15 or 20. We want it to be low enough, just a round, easy number that's a low enough number. It's under a dollar a show, and it's so easy. There's almost no reason, if you're a fan of the show, that, and you've been listening to us for, you know, multiple years and enjoy it, there's almost no reason that, you know what, that's worth a 10 spot. And then, and then you get like the coolest bang for the buck on the on the benefits you know we want to do special shows for that group we want to do sort of the bonus recordings that we don't even do now how many times have we said you know the bye week we've gone through the bye week and we didn't do a pregame for lsu and by the time we said gosh i really wish we had it's too late to record it and get it out there before the game but now we'll have an opportunity to do it post it and this group would get that type of access and so that's an example of of the kind of thing that we've never done before but with this level of support you would have the opportunity to get that kind of stuff so we're super excited about that and then the all-american level and again that's a step up to fifty dollars and it is limited uh, because just you know trying to do a show with so many different people uh, just the coordination there but I'm super excited about the opportunity to get some of you guys on gals on the show with us talking football to you know to hear your passion to hear you ask us questions to have us ask you questions because there's guys out there and girls out there that know the game and know the players and have opinions every bit as strong and as insightful is what we have the questions that we get certainly reflect that and so we're excited about having the opportunity to 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 get to meet some of those people and uh, certainly share them with the listening audience and then I'm excited about uh, you know an opportunity to have 
you know, our own little meetup and, and, uh, you know, have a, have a few beverages, have a, a beverage or two, you know, before a game, uh, at, at one of the local watering holes. Uh, I'm super excited about that. And gosh, if we did something like that and had, you know, 50 or 60 people, that would <laughs> that just, the vision of that is just mind blowing. Uh, and I think, uh, but it, again, that's at the low level. And so we think that, you know, of the couple thousand downloads we get, we hope that there's, you know, maybe a hundred people that, that would be as excited about this and hopefully more, but yeah, it's just, just beyond excited to do this. The feedback, we launched sort of a soft launch of this on Facebook. The response has just been phenomenal. And now we're excited to get this actually on a show where we have thousands, couple thousand listeners, as opposed to, you know, maybe tens of people following us on Facebook. So just really super excited about this and hope that um, we're not going to do hard sells. This is just it. This is the hard sell. Uh, we hope that you guys are excited about this, and uh, we hope that we get just a, an uptake of um, of participation. And Tommy, where would you go to find out more information and to uh, participate? I think you go to alabamafootballpodcast.com. Oh, that was a risk, man. I didn't know if you would do that. So, so do you want to logistically very quickly just step the listeners through if, if they decide they want to, to go to the website and obviously all the information is there, just, just quickly step through what they would do after they look at the information, if they do want to, you know, contribute at one of those levels? No, that is, that is, that is a fantastic question. And so I, on an exception basis, we've gotten a couple of people that don't want to use PayPal, or we've gotten a couple of people that have had some issues with the link. And so let me set those aside. The, des- the process design is, is literally you go to alabamafootballpodcast.com. Uh, across the header and uh, one, uh, one of the most recent articles is about the 2019 uh, listener appreciation campaign. And you go to that article and that article will spell out all of these levels. It'll bullet all of the, the benefits. And at each level... The varsity, the starter, the All America, and and we've taken down now the James Fail. But it, all three of those levels, there will be a PayPal uh, button. That button button is specific to that level. And so if you hit the varsity, it's going to pull up PayPal at a ten dollar amount. You can change the amount, uh, I think, uh, but it's to the ten dollar amount. At the starter level, it's going to pull up twenty five. And at the All-American, it's going to start up 50. So make sure you get the right PayPal button because it's going to default to that, that amount. And then when you, when you, uh, when you pay at that level through PayPal, it's going to go to my personal. We're doing this as, as a personal contribution. Again, all of this information is in the FAQ, uh, on this, on the site. We're doing this as a personal contribution. So it's going to go to my personal, uh, uh, PayPal account. That's, uh, David Osmond. And so if you see that, you're not getting, not getting ripped off. It's, 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 it's us. Um, you make that contribution. That, that PayPal, when it's going to take you to PayPal and then it's going to bring you back to a thank you page that lists out all the benefits. It gives a little more information and details, uh, about the, the, uh, the incentives and how the incentives will roll out. There's also a form that you can fill out with your name, your email, uh, so that we have that information. We can log that information. And we can track and make sure that we're giving out the incentives to the appropriate people. If, and it should be sort of liquid smooth, if it's not that smooth or if you're not a fan of PayPal, hit us up on the contact at alabamafootballpodcast.com. There's a contact button or you can send us uh, an email at alabamafootballpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us an email and say, hey, this thing's acting wonky. Uh, help me help me figure out an alternative option, and we will absolutely uh, help you with an alternative option. And uh, we've done that for, you know, probably two or three, four folks uh, already. So, Tommy, it should be liquid smooth. If it's not, let us know, and we will make it so. Man, I appreciate you going over that. So, guys, just please also, if you have any follow-up questions after you go to the website and you look at the information, you have any questions, let us know. Um, and we're going to continue to tweak and improve on this as we go forward. Uh, but there's been a lot of time and thought put into, you know, just the, the different ways that we can, you know, give y'all more access over and above what we're already doing. So uh, thank you so much for listening to this preseason show. Uh, we're excited about uh, our first show uh, after the uh, Duke game. 
And uh, we just look forward to, uh, you know, keeping up with Alabama football in the next month and, and doing a show here in a few weeks. Absolutely. Super excited about the season. Super excited about engaging uh, with with the fans again. Uh, some renewed energy, you know, over this being our 10th season, which is itself amazing. Uh, just really excited, ready to go. Tommy, anything else? No, man. I'm just ready to hear your uh, your takeout phrase. Come on, man. You want me to do it? Yes, you do it. Yes, yes. I want to hear you do it. All right. This has been another episode of the Alabama Football Podcast. <laughs> I do that like off the – just unconsciously. And yep. so when you wanted me to say it, I didn't know what to say. So I'm glad you well, remembered. I think I did okay. <laughs> Signing out. That's right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just a shout out, a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, coach? Of course. Roll Tide.